Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. This show presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. Our guest today will be Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. Let's get right into our conversation with him. Seabass is with us today from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. My man, hope you're well. Thanks for joining us. Man, you already know it. Living the dream. I'm doing great. I'm ready to talk a little Commodore, I guess, football. I guess that's what we're doing today. It's up to you. Oh man, no, it ain't up to me. This is your world, baby. Uh, I, I'm I'm good for whatever, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm ready. Well, I'm, I finally I'm finally at a point where I can uh, see. I watched the first three quarters of that game last week, and then I listened to the fourth quarter on the radio. And <laughs> I wish that I could say I really do. I, mean, I was really mad at the moment. If you could hear, you know how colorful my language can be from time to time. Uh, I wish that you could have been in that car with me to hear the things that I was saying to my buddy who also is a Commodore fan and we were heading up to Paris and I told him, I said, this is, you know, when it was a six point lead with less than two, I said, trust me when I tell you it's coming. I don't know how it's going to play out, but it's coming. And of course, because I don't know what we did in another live, but Vanderbilt fans are 1000% the most cursed people on planet earth. I think everybody knows I was in Laramie, Wyoming, watching my nephew play against Fresno State. Fresno State's really good, by the way. Um, Wyoming lost, and I'm in the stands, and that game started, Vanderbilt started about 30 minutes after Wyoming did. And I I really didn't want to watch a lot of it. I wanted to to watch my nephew, right, and not have my concentration divided. Uh, but between the fact that they were getting shut out and the fact that that game got a lot more interesting than I expected, I found myself watching on the phone more than I anticipated, <laughs> and, and particularly during the timeouts and halftime and whatever else. And so that game ends, and, and there's maybe nine minutes to play. And by that point, I'm watch, watching all of Vanderbilt. And I really, honest to God... You know, just between what I was watching and the turnovers and the way they had momentum. And you know I have seen them blow games in every way imaginable. So it's not like when they lose something like that, it comes as a shock. But honest to God, I thought they had that one. And then when they didn't go for it on fourth down, I was concerned. I thought that that's – get get the get the touchdown, put it away, right? Then, then there's no way you can lose. I – understand why they didn't do it, but I think I would have chosen otherwise. I just, I don't like giving the other guy at home the ball with the chance to win at the last. And I totally get that, but I get, look, if if I'm going to defend it, which I mean, I'm not, but as far as the the decision to kick field goal, uh, I'm okay with that. And here's why I'm okay with that because that entire half, South Carolina's offense was putrid at best, and the, all they knew how to do was turn the football over, and they couldn't get footing anywhere, you know, offensively. Vanderbilt had done a great job in the second half, and so if if you come out and you say, I'm going to trust this defense uh, to make one more stop, I, I'm okay with that. I'll kick this field goal because my defense has shown up the whole 30 minutes of the second half. And then, of course, they make the quarterback change. And I got to be honest with you, uh, you know, I would, it's it's not like it took guts for Beamer to do that. I don't think he really had any other choice at that point. It was clear uh, that Holmes was not going to deliver the mail for him. Uh, And we can get into the analytical side of it. And, you know, that's all well and good, but there's never going to be a day when I'm cool, especially with a guy that's completely cold off the bench. You know, when you rush three, Chris, you're basically getting every one of your your your, your down linemen double teamed. So the the odds of them getting there to get getting home are pretty bad. They're not going to get there. We don't have a great rush anyway. 
but it almost doesn't matter who your quarterback is. You know, the prevailing thought is if you give anybody enough time, somebody, regardless of how many people you drop back, uh, is going to eventually come open. And as, again, I listened to the final quarter and I watched it, but I guess you just see all of this playing out in my head. And unfortunately, I wish I could say there was even a little part of me that thought that they were going to make a stand right there in that four-quarter, uh, in that last drive. But and I told my, I looked at my buddy, I said, I don't know how it's going down, but after 49 years, I can guarantee you one thing. It's going to happen. They're going to, I told him, I looked at him, he was getting there. He was going to get out and pump the gas in his car. So let me tell you the final score of this football game, 21-20, period. Bottom line. Uh, and, or yeah, 20, 20 not, yeah, 21-20. Uh, and of course, that obviously was what it was. And I know, of course, afterwards, everybody was ready to fire Clark Lee and everybody in the world and all that. And we were ticked off and, you know, Chris, Go get him. Go get him. You know, if, if if somebody gets beat, they get beat. But you go down swinging is what a lot of people think. And I got to be honest with you, in this case, I'm with them. Make him make a play. You know, don't give him all day long to survey. Make him make a play under pressure, especially when he's completely cold off the bench. I get you're trying to protect that lead. I do, but that's not how you got there. And I understand that football isn't, you know, it's 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 reactionary. I get that. But I feel like we just served it up to him, Chris. I really do. Yeah, I get it. I did not like the passive approach, not bringing pressure either. Um, yeah, it is what it is. I think that's what people talked about all week. Right. You know, what are we losing? Going to lose the SEC East title if we lose that game? You know, we had nothing to lose and still somehow found a way to lose something. Well, we did a podcast where I said there were elements of the way that they played that reminded me of Bobby Johnson. We did that a few weeks ago, and I saw some of that. And again, I I appreciate the fact that Clark uh, discussed it. I thought his Pod, or his podcast, his press conference on Tuesday was great. Um, I asked a few follow-up questions. I wanted to hear his explanation for it. I, I think it was coherent. I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but I appreciate the fact that he's thoughtful enough to to share all of that with us. Um, not that there's a huge media crush on him these days. It's just it's scant few of us. But anyway, I I I, I didn't I didn't agree with his decision, but at least I get where he's coming from. Yeah. I mean, I, I do analytically I do, but I just, I mean, it, there's nothing more frustrating. There's no way a fan is going to be able to be okay with that. You know, I mean, because what do we tell each other? What do we say to each other at work? And, you know, and when, with our friends, you know, what does a prevent defense do at all and prevent you from winning? And uh, it just, it's just I, I think people are hoping for more of a more of a I don't know a, a killer instinct if you will and it just it was clear from the beginning of that drive that that wasn't going to work and we never got out of it and they systematically took it down there on us and won a game and I have to ask this question what are we talking about today? What's the conversation? What's the mood of the board? What's the thought about the program? Even though South Carolina sucks out loud and they do, they're bad. Um, but if we get that win, what kind of conversations are we having today about this coaching staff and, and this team and, you know, the job done so far? I mean, I, I, that's how big that game was, Chris. You know, we only have a couple of winnable games in the conference, and that, that especially road games against a team who we always find a way to lose to. Uh, that just that's never going to sit well with the fans. So if we take that approach and that ends up happening, this is going to be the result. And you know, I don't know. It's, it's frustrating as it can possibly be, but you know, I, I honestly, it, it didn't surprise me at all. Well, you've seen the board. The board did not react well to that. Vanderbilt fans are used to losing and have had many heaped on them, but I thought that one was uh, – th there weren't a lot of words minced in the reaction that the fans have had. Now, I will say this, and I'm, again, not defending anybody here, uh, and, and the fact that I have to say this is, is a bad thing, but if they don't lose to ETSU to begin the season, which 
I guess it's kind of stupid to say because they they did lose and it says a lot about the state of things. But I still think that loss is the filter through which everybody sees everything just as is, you know, all the other stuff going on with the with the school, with facilities and where are they? Um, The past continues to cloud that. I, I just think that if the first game turns out differently, everything else from here on is viewed differently. And again, not yeah. not to defend any of it because they lost the game, right? There, there was no reason they should have ever lost that game. So I'm not I'm not making an excuse. It's just an observation. No, I I totally I totally uh, agree with you. And that, you remember what I was saying the other day? If this was your, th- this schedule, you know. It's an SEC schedule, but you remember when Jay Franklin was winning nine games and all everybody talked about outside of the program was, yeah, but look how bad everybody is in the conference right now. This team's going through this. This team's going through that. Man, the truth is there's so many winnable games on this schedule with a pretty good Vanderbilt team. You know, the kind – I'll put it this way. The team that went and played in the Texas Bowl against Baylor – would have the ability on this schedule to win seven games. Oh yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, I mean, there is nothing particularly tough about this schedule at all, outside of the couple obvious answers. Uh, You know, the old Miss Georgias, Floridas of the world. Okay, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, But these others, you know, maybe Kentucky as well. But the the, you know the South Carolinas, the Missouris, you know, the Mississippi State, uh, the non conferences were. so winnable, so winnable. And that's what makes this very, very frustrating because, Chris, they're not going to stay that way. Agreed? Yeah, I know. One, one footnote here before you go further. I, I did want to mention this, not that it matters a lot. The Colorado State win is becoming a little better every week. Those guys have figured it out a little bit. Um, I think they're 2-0 and in the Mountain West. They are, let's see... 80, excuse me, 77 and SP plus this week. Um, maybe that's neither yeah. here nor there, but I thought I'd mention it because <laughs> this is the point in the season where you, when there's a bright spot, you grab it. But anyway, yes, I agree. Yeah. I, I think that, I mean, it never occurred to me for a second they were going to lose to ETSU until it happened. Never. Um, never. CSU, I thought at the time, was an even match. I think CSU was the better team. Uh, they did beat Connecticut. You know, and I guess that's one other thing I would say a little bit. People say, well, of course, we knew they were going to lose this. I would say, well, you know, they had two games that went down to the final minute. And they made the plays both time to win them. So there's that. But I, I never thought they were going to win more than three or four to begin with. Um, I, I just thought maybe it would play out a little differently where it wasn't so wretched at times. Right. Yeah. See, the problem, the, the thing that concerns me is, like I said, these extremely beatable conference games, they're not going to stay this terrible. They're, they're going to do something about it one way or the other. They will. So, you know, I mean, even if we just keep on that same vein, we're still not beating them. So not only do we have to improve for ourselves, we have to improve to a level that's better than they are to start winning these football games. Cause I promise you, they're going to, I don't know if Drinkowitz is in trouble or not, but they're going to do something about, it. I mean, they, they are, uh, you know, same thing for South Carolina. Beamer's not going to, t- he just got there. That that's not going to stay that way. They're going to be able to do something in the next year or two. I, I totally believe Are they going to be Alabama. No, uh, but they're going to be a much better version of themselves. The question is, are we, the next two games are the most winnable they've got. I don't know what to make of Mississippi State. Some weeks they're not very good. Missouri is a team that cannot defend anything. And frankly, I wonder sometimes about motivation. They came out flat for the AM game. That's one that if Vanderbilt wanted, I would not be totally shocked. I'm not picking it. I think Missouri will probably win. But I think that's an opportunity uh, but they they got to really play well, and they got to go at it with an aggressive mindset, which, as you pointed out, has been an issue. Yeah, I mean the the three and a half quarters of South Carolina game definitely good enough to beat Missouri. 
second half at Colorado State, definitely good enough to do that. You know, so so the, when this team has played well, that version of Vanderbilt is good enough to beat Missouri for sure. You know, uh, it's good enough to hang with Mississippi State. The question is, and one thing I understand, I, I've witnessed, board witness to, and I understand is you're not getting an A game 12 times a year. It doesn't, it, it just, it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't even happen way. for even, Alabama. Right. No, no, because even when they, you, you know, even when they go say, well, what are you talking about? They went 12 and 0, 11 1. They were just so much better than the team that they're playing. You know what I mean? I mean, they didn't particularly play well, but they were just so much more talented. You're not getting an A game. Well, we're at the level where we have to have an A game to beat another SEC team for our standards. And we haven't had one yet. We've had, uh, we've had a, we've had a B game. I mean, I, I, we have a B minus B plus game for South Carolina, but it all came undone on one drive. I mean, because the, the other, the other facets of the game, I mean, look, Mike Wright comes in, gets his first start and throws for over 200 and something yards, makes some really big plays, you know, defensively getting turnovers, not one, not two, what was it? Three or four turnovers that they had in that game. Uh, this is not the type of thing that we generally are able to generate and are able to do. I know you would say a lot of that had to do with South Carolina, and that would be true, uh, but it still is something that we generally don't get a lot of. So we have to, you know, we have to find a way to conjure up an A game. We haven't had one. We've got two wins, and neither one of those were A games. Uh, we need an A game. We get that. If we get an A game against Missouri, I say we win that game. If we get an A game against the Bulldogs, it's a, it's it, and, and it also depends on like you just said what Mississippi State team shows up. They've been really kind of Jekyll and Hyde too. They look pretty good, darn good at times. I think about the game. What was it, Chris? Was it NC State? Did yeah, they, they beat NC State. That's their best win yeah. of the season. NC State's good. I don't remember if they're ranked this yeah. week, but they're close. And I don't remember because I don't have it pulled up for it was like 24 to 10 or yeah. 27 to they dominated them defensively i think there might have been a pick six or a defensive touchdown in there somewhere potentially but i maybe i'm wrong and i but. think and i start thinking to myself is there a scenario from the team that i've seen in nashville this year that could get a two touchdown win against nc state and i can't come up with one so if mississippi state is able to replicate that effort we're not winning that game that's the way that i see it I've got I do that power poll every week between all the computer rankings that I respect and and some power ratings at at CBS Sports and some other places. It's nine sources total, and I think it gives you a really good idea uh, between the humans and how they adjust for winning and losing, and the computers, which are kind of agnostic to winning, they look at the underlying stuff a lot. You know, as often as not, here's what they've got left on their schedule in order of toughness: Kentucky is 19, Tennessee is 31, Mississippi State is 41, but again, week to week, that can vary for those guys. And then South Carolina, which they just played, is 77, Missouri is 78, Colorado State, which I mentioned earlier, is 81, just for reference, and who am I leaving out? They got one more game. You're leaving out Ole Miss. Oh, Ole Miss, that's the bad news. That's the toughest one. Ole Miss is yeah, 12, and, and they have no shot at Ole Miss. Uh, that just That's a horrible matchup for them. Yes, for sure. Yeah, they, 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 we, we, track mates are not exactly our forte by no, any stretch. Either. No, no. You know, I, let's, let's just talk about this for a second. I, you know, I, I was really proud of Mike Wright. You know, I was really getting your first start on the road, going on the road in South. I don't care if it is South Carolina, and they're not that good right now in the SEC, and gets a crowd that really, uh, really can make it hard for you. They and they did a good job of quieting them for a good chunk of that game. And you know, I mean, it's not the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It's not the most beautiful touch, but he he made some really big plays, some really nice throws, especially uh, in, in the first half and the first two or three quarters. I, you know. I mean, I, I don't know what happens when they're both healthy. You know, they're very different quarterbacks, and they both do some things pretty well. I'll say this. If if Mike Wright gets a little more touch on the football, the things that he brings to the table are going to be hard to leave off the field. Hey, that's a really good segue into the mailbag, which we're going to have to get to now if oh. we're going to get you out on time. 
Yeah, get me out on time. All right. <laughs> the mailbag is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved ones have been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Door King says, should right or seals start assuming seals is healthy? Uh, you're right, Chris. That was a pretty decent segue. <laughs> oh, man. Boy. You know, it's it's one start. It, it, it's one start, but it, it was a productive one. Uh, you know what I do, Chris? I spend, I know you got to implement game plan and all that. I, I get all that, but... Man, what I do is when they're, when they're both healthy, I spend that week. Okay, we're we're we are fixing to launch it. We're go, we're doing we're doing ones. We're doing one on ones. We're doing ones. That's it. Not ones on twos. We're doing ones on ones, and we're 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 going to do much harder than we normally would during the week. We're going to go we're going to go game situation, and <clears throat> and we're going to see which one of these two wants it more. You know, which one of these two the offense works under. I don't think it's I don't think it's as simple as saying, well, it's this guy and here's why. You know, I say start the competition all over. Whatever you've done before this means nothing. We need to know who the guy is for this team right now. So here's our ones. We're going to we're going to script it up and we're going to do 25 plays a piece. Show me what you got. What do you think? Oh, I have a hard time taking issue with what you said. I think my big thing is, that aside, Kim was your guy leaving camp for a reason. Yeah. And to me, he's still your guy unless there's a reason you find that he's not your guy. And maybe if Mike goes out and racks up 500 yards of total offense this week, he's the guy. Um, but, and, and I mean, I'm just throwing an arbitrary number out. You know what I mean? The, the bar doesn't have to necessarily be that high. But... The other thing is, you just don't know how Ken's going to come back from injury either. Um, we don't know a lot about the severity of it. And so I, I think that's the other thing is, right now, that's not an easy question to answer. I mean, I guess the question presumes 100%. Um, and if they're both 100%, um, again, having seen them both plenty of reps against the same defense, and that's another thing that's important here. I mean, uh, this wasn't playing some of the teams that Ken started against. But um, when I saw a big sample size in both of them, Ken was the guy. But, again, there, there are variables that, that could change that. And, and, look, maybe Mike's one of these guys that isn't a great practice player and, and the light comes on in games and he improves and gets confidence. But based on what I had seen, everything else being equal, Ken would be my guy. Okay, and I, which, I mean, I have no beef with that. The only thing that I would say is is – Things change, you know, situations change, you know, situation dictates uh, what, what you do. And all I'm saying is, uh, what does it hurt? So, I mean, I don't think you just say he was our guy then, so he's our guy now. It's the way we've always done it. What's best right now? Well, look, competition is, is, is how the world works, right? Ken Seals? Yeah, is that Ken Seals? And if it is, then it, it's him. But, but if it's Mike Wright, then, then that's the case, too. I mean, there's no reason why we can't right now, once he's fully healthy, say, okay, we're resetting this thing. You've both got starting experience. We, we like both of you, but we need to know where we're at at this moment with, with uh, what, what do we got, Chris? Uh, are we, we're two and five right now? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we got five games left. We got five games left. You know, and and of course, actually, it'll be four because it's Mike's show this week. But after that, for this last month, let's find out where we are and what we look like going forward. And which one of these at this point, after 67 percent of the season, which one of you gives the offense the best opportunity to move the football up and down the field? And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's, it's, I, I can't imagine why you would do it any other way. Door King asks, did you see improvement against South Carolina or is South Carolina just really bad? Yes and yes. Fair uh, enough. Yes. I, I mean, right? I mean, it's true. South Carolina is bad, dude. Uh, they are. They're worse than I thought they were. And I've seen them play a couple times. but And that's not to take away from how hard we played because we did play hard. Uh, but that's a bad football team right now. Beamer's got a long way to go. Uh and they don't have an answer at quarterback. Homeboy's a graduate assistant, right? They came in as a grad assistant, right? Uh, so they don't have, they don't have their answer at least right now. Um, 
But, you know, I saw a defense uh, who was much more, for the most part, not not in that last drive, but a much more aggressive defense who was confident, who was doing a good job of shedding blocks. You know, I think, especially defensively, I thought we did a much better job uh, on that side of the football. And, you know, like I, like I said, I mean, for a guy making his first start on the road in the SEC to go out and throw for over 200 yards in his first start, I mean, think about this, Chris. I mean, I think most people, when we think about Mike Wright before he got that start, because all we've seen him is situationally. What do you think about Mike? You don't think about him throwing the football, do you? So if I told you, let's say, okay, Chris, over or under 225 yards passing from Mike Wright against South Carolina, I'm not presuming to answer your question for you, but I guarantee you would have went under. Yeah, and no, that's the other variable is what do teams do now that they're expecting he might be the guy and they've seen a little more sample. I think that them being able to keep that under wraps, and I'm not knocking anything that Mike did. I mean, he played pretty well, but them being able to keep that under wraps didn't hurt. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, I wonder when, you know, and of course, uh, Beamer had said, look, we, we, we had practiced for him, but I think you were doing that anyway. Right. You know, not so much that you thought he was going to be the guy all day long. When do you think they actually found that out, Chris? I don't know. It started to leak out early in the week uh, through random Twitter accounts and stuff like that. I, I don't know how much attention a coaching staff pays to that. Um, you know, I, I thought Vanderbilt's tweet that it sent out, what was it, Friday with Ken there was almost a little bit of a tell. Um, <laughs> that they were trying to hide it, perhaps. But I, I, I don't know. I, I, your guess there is as good as mine. Yeah, right. I mean, like I said, it doesn't really matter because they were going to prep for him anyway because who wouldn't, you know? Right. So we'll see. Uh, how do you think Musa looked? <laughs> just, well, that one kidding. snap, buddy, that was... Uh, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Right. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, I, 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 I think it's a little bit of both. But yeah, South Carolina was that bad. But I'm not going to let that detract from the good things that we did. Nash Native 615 asked, do players notice when coaches blame execution for failed outcome? Will coaches admit to poor play calling in private with the team and then it's just coach speak with the media? God, yes, they know. Yeah, I mean, of yes, course. Uh, they, yes, they, they know. Players and, absolutely and know. Yeah, don't you? Uh, well, well, man, if you don't know anything else, know that. Know that they know, and believe me, they take it personally. Now, you could be out there and you say, well, you just need to toughen up. And okay, I'll, 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 I'll listen to that. But players definitely respond better to coaches that they know have their backs. Next one from Nash Native 615. Should Clark have come out and definitively said it was poor adjustments on the staff part and shoulder the blame? How much would that help keep the locker room together? I think that's probably why I never attempted to coach. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, I, I wouldn't want to own something that I'm not responsible for. But they are responsible for it. Obviously, they're coaches' staff. That's, I mean, that comes with the territory. Period. And, and you know, a lot of times they'll take they'll take the the blame for something, and it's clearly not their fault. It's their players, and they the player made a bonehead decision. They've been drilled into them a thousand times, right? But at the same time, this player, when it came down to it, didn't make the player forgot or missed an assignment or something like that. But I think a good coach is going to say, you know, I should have had him prepared when, and look, you know, because that's kind of what coaches do. And that's what we say. And that's, and so as a fan, you know, I mean, that's what we're used to. We're used to players stepping up, uh, coaches stepping up and saying, it's my fault. I should have had them uh, in a better position. And that's when the fan can look at it and say for themselves and say, yeah, I hear you, but that dude just had a bonehead play. You know, leave it at that. But as far as the acceptance of it, yeah, I mean, I I would like to think just if I was a coach, I doubt that I would say, you know, look, guys, I drilled it in this kid's head for (laughs) hours and hours and hours and reps and reps and reps. He's watched a billion hours of film. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do, and he didn't get the job done when he was supposed to. 
you start doing that, you know, I love accountability. It's great. But when you start doing that in the media and point it to your kids and saying it's their fault, I know what I'm doing. They don't. That would be a recipe for disaster. Okay. Who's doing it? Did anything notable happen in Baton Rouge this week? (laughs) No, (laughs) no, Uh, no, no, not really. Okay, in all seriousness, I thought that was a brilliant move on LSU's part because it knew it was going to have to make the change anyway. And so what they did, what Scott Woodward did, I thought disarmed the whole situation for the rest of the year. I think it frees players up uh, to be more relaxed. I think it frees a coach up to be more relaxed. So maybe not his assistants, I don't know. Uh, They've got to go find jobs now, and they know that. And so maybe it works against them in some way. But the point is, from a public standpoint, it sort of disarmed the whole situation. And don't you think that doing that as a coach, like even if you know a lot of it's on the player, that that seems to just sort of put everything at ease, right? It 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 gets the fans to stop chirping a little bit. Um, it certainly helps your locker room. I'm not saying you do it every time because then it becomes – almost phony, but you know what I'm getting at here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I totally get it. By the way, uh, if you pick up the phone, all right, let's just say you're you're LSU, okay? Who's the first phone call you're making to? Maybe James Franklin. You know, he, on my show last night, that 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 was asked to me. James Franklin was my second call. Did you go Jimbo? No. Okay. No. What if I told you I my first call was to a guy who's never been a head coach before? Okay. This I've got to hear. Oh, but I think when you hear the name, you'll be like, okay. Oh, okay. I think I know where you're going. Uh, of course. You Mr. Do. Brady. You know it's Joe Brady. Yeah. You know it's Joe Brady. Yeah. I, I, I don't care. LSU fans are not stupid. They know. They know. They know that the stock that that guy's got, and I, I, I guarantee you they'd be quite all right with it. If there's anybody who could have that job that's never been a uh, – uh, not just a non-Power 5 coach, but never been a head coach and is young enough to be my son, and I'm not even 50 yet, um, it would be him. You know. Now, having said that, now all, all the people that I trust say that guy's brilliant. Now – I could counter to you and say it's easy to be brilliant on the collegiate level when you have Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase (laughs) playing in college football because those are all really good pro players who would have been really good pro players at the time, you know, uh, and they're playing on the same college team, you know, with a bunch of couple stud linemen. I mean, it's it would it look. It was hard for them not to be that good. That was as talented as an offense as I've seen maybe ever. And you saw what they did record-wise. But the fact is, the people that I trust say he's the real deal. You know, and if they know that, I guarantee you those kids know it, uh, and these recruits know it. And I think Joe Brady would be very dangerous for LSU if they got him. Okay, got a few left. I don't think we'll get to them all. Um, I'm going to go two more. So make this one fast because I want to get to another one after this. Nash Native 615 says, Rushing the passer was the most successful Vandy had been all season. What was different Saturday versus the rest of the season where the defense couldn't touch quarterbacks? I think personnel. I think I just think, I, I mean, I know that, I, that may sound like it's not giving uh, the kids credit because they, they, they really played hard. They did. But I, I really believe that it's the, the per, a lot of it had to do with, with South Carolina's personnel. They just, I mean, you, you saw it yourself. Some of these turnovers, just crazy. I mean, they were, they were horribly bad. Vanderbilt's not, a, it's not, uh, you know, the steel curtain defense or anything like that. Uh, and though I just think about those first two, because if you remember, think about those first two drives. Those first two drives, I thought we were going to get beat forty-eight to nothing. Yeah, but they they, they start in, like that every down. game. I don't know why. I I don't either. You can always count. Generally, the first play of the game against Vanderbilt, it's either going to go for like eighteen, anywhere from about eight to eighteen yards, 
every time. It's never an incomplete pass. It's never a sack or a two-yard run or no gain or something like that. It's always a, a head-of-the-sticks deal. And just like that, they're at our 35, two minutes into the game. You know, but I got to give them credit. They 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 stemmed that tide and they turned it around and played good aggressive defense, as you mentioned. Got to the quarterback, but I feel a lot of that had to do with just a poor offensive execution by South Carolina and personnel as well. I mean, who who think about this? Who offensively really scared you for South Carolina? Well, Kevin Harris was going to be their best player coming to the season, but he's not been the same guy since back surgery, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah, that's that, and that's my point. You know, there's not a Debo Samuel on that team. Oh, you know, there, there's, you know, there's, there's just not. And you know, I mean, there's quarterback play is beyond shaky at best. So you know, look uh, again, I don't want that to sound like we didn't play hard because we did. You know, uh, it, it's just I, I think that their personnel had a little bit to do with that as well. And if I, I hope that doesn't sound bad because it's it's not meant that way. But you know, what I always tell you, Chris, the truth, the truth of the world's on fire. All right, last one. Old Jack Wagon asks, can you tell us about your best in-person Vanderbilt sports memory or experience and also your worst? Mm, my best. You know, I, I think I'll tell you which one was probably my favorite. Uh, my favorite was probably, it was just a regular season game. Oh, I, be, I bet I know. I want, I want to see what you answer, but go ahead. Uh, you 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 might not get it. I mean, you might. Um, I got two that are, are probably my favorites, and one of them's a loss, by the way. Uh, the Tennessee game where they beat Tennessee was like forty-one to eighteen, I think. I knew that's what you were going to say, and I might know your number two. Although you said it's a loss, so I don't. But I'll tell you what else I'm thinking of too. Well, my number two is a loss, and it's in the same era. Uh, and it was probably the most exciting college football game involving Vanderbilt that I've ever been to. Uh, and it was the 39, 35 loss to Ole Miss in Nashville, uh, in which Jordan, Jordan Matthews played his guts out. And it was a, uh, if I remember correctly, he dropped a pass. And if he catches that football, he's going to the house and we win the game. Uh, we would have won 41 to 39 right there at the end of the game. There was a rash of touchdowns right there at the end and Ole Miss ended up winning a shootout that nobody deserved to lose 39, 35. I had more fun at that game. It was as exciting a college football game. Uh, the place was packed. Uh, people were going berserk in the crowd and it was just an atmosphere. Like I didn't, I hadn't really seen a whole lot of in my 49 years of watching that football team. You remember the game I'm talking about? Oh yeah. That, that place was electric that night. That game was so much fun. I'll give you another one from around that time. And you remember this cause we spent the day together. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Ah, uh, man. Oh, come on. Sorry, man. Wake You'll Forest. Lake Forest, 2013? Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. Jordan Matthews catch on the sidelines on fourth down, that impossible snag that allowed us to set up the game-winning field goal kicked by, and I can't remember that kid's name. Um, oh, uh, Kerry Spear. Was it, was, are you sure? I'm, I'm it, almost positive because Spear and Matthews finished the same year. Now I'm going to say a name and it's probably completely wrong. And I, I might have my errors off, but for some reason I was thinking Han felt, but that's not the same error. No, Han felt was gone many years before that. There were two oh, or three kickers in between. I think I'm so old, Chris. Don't even, don't you? Well, I can't me. believe I'm the one that caught that and not you. You're usually better about that than well, I am. Well, I'll tell you what I had as much fun as I had at that game. And it was fun. I had more fun. And I'll say this, I've got to do a lot of things in radio that I've really enjoyed that I will always carry with me and remember, but we were doing Vanderbilt postgame shows at that time. And that was as much fun as I've ever had, you know, and then for Joe Fisher, who had just gotten off the air doing the postgame call-in show on another station called in to the station that you and I were on for the post-game show. I mean, callers were just lined up. They were just going crazy, and they were so excited. And then to have him call in, you know, and talk about the game, that was 
that was probably, I guess that, that was about an hour long post game show, maybe a little more that we did. I, I had about as much fun, especially given the subject matter as I've ever had doing radio. Yeah, I, man, I miss Joe. No, no offense to either of the two uh, there now who are both friends of mine, but uh, that that was, man, I, that day was so much oh, fun. Do you yeah. remember? Do you remember what else we did that day? Oh come oh, on! Yeah, is that where? Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah where we went to, to Outback on West End. Yes, yes. And, and had dinner at Outback, and that was the day that Auburn had the uh, field goal return for a touchdown to beat Alabama. And a, an entire Outback went insane. And what was crazy was our waitress's grandfather had played at Alabama. Yeah, I remember that. I don't even remember what was our reactions. We sat there. I, I don't uh, remember now. Utter, the whole restaurant was going crazy. I mean, there was no order of any kind. It was. I don't. Was I don't remember that. I think I was so fixed on the game and oh, and that play. I, I don't remember anything. Oh, people were screaming were and they jumping because really? they had a bunch of TVs on and everybody yeah. was watching it. Everybody was just going insane. Yeah, it was. It was uh, that. Yeah, I remember that. Of course, those are my goods. I have three bads. Uh, well, I got a lot of bads, the three that stick out and I'm sorry, I can't do just one, but I'm a Vanderbilt fan. What do you expect from me? Um, one would have to be Rodney Williams fumble against Kentucky. Yep. Remember that one that, that broke me. Uh, I, I mean, I, I started to question, what am I doing here? <laughs> Why do I keep driving up here for this crap? Uh, that was one, uh, one, I was a lot younger I was a teenager, but I was there when Chucky Mullins got hurt. That sucked. That was a bad moment. Uh, that 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 was not fun at all. Uh, and then the other one was I want to say it was the season opener when Miami of Ohio came down. Oh yes, and Vanderbilt had stopped them, but I want to say got called for like a pass interference inside the ten yard line and gave. Miami another chance and I don't know if it took them to fourth down uh but they pay that but they made the most of that chance and basically ended our season before it got started and I you know I don't know I don't remember what the hype was for that year if we were going to be good or not but uh was that during Cutler's era maybe no I think that uh, was right before that's before I covered it um and Cutler's uh, first year as a starter uh, no, Cutler's first year as a starter was okay. Cutler's second year as a starter was when I started the site and started covering it, which I think was the year we met. Wasn't didn't you? And I meet in two thousand three, and I want to yeah, say it was at the Ole Miss game. That. Yeah, so somewhere around that. How did that? Um, how did that happen? I don't remember now. I, I think you and I ended up sitting oh. in the press box next to each other for some reason. We didn't know each other from Adam. We didn't know. I don't think we knew the other one existed at that point, did we? Uh, you know, probably not. And they, that was around the time that I was very, uh, I was very angry with Vanderbilt because they literally, you know, I know you remember this. They yeah, literally oh yes. gave my seat in the working press box to Peyton and Eli for an Ole Miss Vanderbilt game. Well, then how, okay, how did you and I end up talking then? Because, see, I don't remember, like, I remember I met you sometime around that time, but I don't remember a specific, I'm like, I'm thinking that had to be the game, because I remember you being mad about that, but I don't remember, like, if you got kicked out of the press box, um... Yeah, that that was I didn't weird. Get kicked out of the press box, they offered to uh, they offered to let me go up right above the press box. I guess where the cameras are and whatnot. Oh yeah. They told me I could go stand up there. I said, "Oh man, how good of you! Thank you very much. No thanks." Uh, so actually, what I did is I just uh, went back down uh, to to uh, to the concourse and uh, ended up just going in the stadium. And not working it that day, just going there and just watching the game. I was really ticked off about that. Well, so then, uh, how, how did we ever strike up a conversation? Because you really were never were you were you ever in the press box? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did the press box many times. Okay. You know, probably 15, 20, 15, 20 times. But, because because ever you since know. you and I have been really close, you never sit in the press box. 
No, and, and, and let me tell you, I've, I've told you this before, Chris, but for me, I can get what I need there or in the stands or generally I watch most of my games in, at the, in the, you know, I sit in the bridge, you know, which is, it's, it's a great seat. I mean, it's, it's hard to beat the seats, good grief. Um, but I can get what I need and remember something. I'm a sports talk show host, not a, not a reporter you know, or, or a writer. So I don't have to do that. All I have to do is watch the game and then have my opinion on it and be able to talk about it later on. So uh, I am not a journalist, nor do I pretend to be. I'm a talk show host. Those are two very different things. So I don't have to do that. I don't have to tell, I don't have to write it down at, at 845 of the first quarter and all these other things. So I can get what I need just by watching the game itself. And to be frankly honest with you, uh, I get put off in, in press boxes. I, I am, I am, you know, the, now there's people like you in there who are hard at work and doing their thing and take their job very seriously. But one thing that I noticed about it, especially in Nashville, maybe more so than any other press box I've ever been in, there was a lot of quote working media members who were pretty sure everybody was there to see them. Yeah. I I don't, get down with that. You don't matter. You mean nothing. It's about the game without the game. You don't have an existence or a job. Uh, so I've never been about that. Uh, it's never about a, Hey, I'm here. We can get the game started. Now I'm all about the game itself and the people playing it and the fans watching it. Uh, so I get what I need. I can get what I need in the middle of the crowd. That would be harder for you to do. Cause you have a different job to do. I don't have to do that. Ours is a self-important profession, isn't it? Yeah. 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 For, for sure. You know, and every day, even 22 years later, I still, man, you, you know, I'd never take this for granted. I've gotten the opportunity to meet people and talk to people that I'd never thought I would and, and opportunities that, you know, whether I deserve or not, I've gotten, and I'm grateful as I can possibly be, but I always try to keep every, every bit of that in check. It's never, ever about me. You know, it's, it's, it's about the game. It's about the event. It's about the people playing it and the, and, and the people that want to hear about it and talk about it. So, you know, I like doing it. I do, but I don't have to be in the press box. And I came to realize that pretty soon. So I quit doing it. I, I preferred not doing it. Look, they gave us one credential this year for everything. Uh, we don't get a photographer. We get one writer. I'm sending Bruno because I want him to watch with his eyes. I'm fine and I don't miss it. I really don't. I I watch yeah, from but home, we miss, but but we miss you. <laughs> Who is we? Yeah. Me, me, everybody. We all miss you, man. Well, I thought oh, I, I thought there would be a day that that would be painful not to go, and I still think that you can pick up certain stuff by being there that you can't at home. Uh, but that's why I send Bruno. I'm, I'm like, he's going to, he's going to pick up on those things. If we're only getting one, I'm going to let him go. But I have not, you know, I've not really missed yeah. it this year. And and that's, you know, what a I, lot of that's a whole other set of reasons that you and I have talked about too off podcast. Right. But you, anyway. know what I'd like to do? you know what I'd like to do? The Missouri games at home this year, right? Yeah. You know what I'd like to do? I would like to come up to Nashville on a Saturday and you Come with me to the bridge. We'll do my Saturday routine. You know what my Saturday game day routine is. It's straight to Satco, then to Jenny's, then the parking garage, then the Star Walk, then to the stadium. Go up to the bridge and watch our boys. You're not there. You're not covering the game. You're, you can get all the info that you would possibly need. And we make a day of it and just hang out and watch ball and do our thing. That's what we need to do. And don't, I know you got a busy life. So do I, but we just block off one Saturday and get back to remember what was fun about this. You know, whether we win or not, whether we win or not, I say, let's do that for the Missouri game. There's a million reasons to say no. I just need you to have that one reason to say yes. Let's do it. Uh, the tickets will be on me. I have no reason to sit in the stands. The only reason I would do it is if it was with a friend. Well, I happen to be a friend, so there's your reason. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it. No, oh, y'all know what that means? That means no. 
it probably depends on what's going. See, I've got the I do the post game show from here now. That's the other thing. Um, Bruno's in the box, and I do this at home where I've got all my stuff set up. So you can be you can be home in forty five minutes after that game's over with. Told you you come up with a thousand reasons not to do it. <laughs> that's, I ain't letting you off the hook. That's probably true. Hook, we don't get, never get a chance to hang out anymore. That, that that is true. We do not. Um, now here's your chance. And if he won't do it, one of y'all can do it. One of you listeners will do it. All right, that sounds good. Well, I've kept you ten minutes over. So you did, you did, and I'm all. Uh, you know, that's you know. You're lucky I'm in Jackson. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're okay. I had a few buffer minutes. I do have to bounce though. Hey, tell and people. I did, look, I, I did. I, I just went to the mailbag just a second ago to check it out, see the other questions. Uh, I knew that question was coming, and I will just tell you, I am nowhere near ready or able to intelligently speak on a minutes breakdown for this basketball team. I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. No, and I'll have a little more info in the next few days. I'll have um, – I'll get some feedback on practice probably Friday. We, we're not yeah, allowed. I think I think people know that they don't allow any media access for practice. Right. Yeah, I guess the one thing that I want to know re regarding round ball right now is – the availability become the start of season of Liam Robbins or when they can yeah. expect that. I'm with you. I think that's the key question because he's not yeah, practicing right now. Right. And he could be huge for us this year. Right. Yep. That's all I got, fat boy. <laughs> all right. Be good and tell people where they can find you on Twitter and find your shows on your way out. Come hang out with me on Twitter at Cheap Seats Bass. Uh, and you can find me at Newstalk 101.5 FM with part of Grace Media Group Monday through Friday, 8 30, 11, and 6 to 8 p.m. on the Cheap Seats. Hey, be good, my friend. Hey, thanks, man. See you next week and anchor down. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon. <laughs>